Good evening, and a very warm welcome to our service this evening. Great to see you all. Uh, if you're online as well, I uh, hope you very much feel part of our worship this evening. It's good to have you with us. And a uh, very special welcome as well to Nick. Um, very grateful to have him here. Nick McQuaker has come to speak to us this evening uh, from God's Word in John 14. So we're looking forward to hearing that. Uh, many of us will remember Nick from uh, coming and speaking to us before. And uh, a good number of us will also know Nick from the SGP, Sussex Gospel Partnership, training course as well, uh, where many of us have been really blessed. And it's given a, a good number of us a real boost in our Bible knowledge and understanding of, of the Bible and how it fits together and, and just a growing knowledge of God as well. So uh, we're very grateful for Nick and for his willingness to come and speak to us this evening. And uh, the title this evening is I Am the Way, the Truth and the Life. Great, great topic to be looking at in John 14. A bit later as well, uh, Nick is going to do a bit of an update for us um, on a bit of the SGP and uh, also a passion for life, which many of us know a bit about. So looking forward to that update in a while. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that you would be with us in a special way this evening. Lord, as we gather together as your people, Lord, as we gather around your word, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us. Lord, I pray that you would help Nick, particularly as he shares from your word. We thank you for helping him in his planning and preparation. And we pray that you would help him speak clearly. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to listen. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to take it in. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be tender and ready to change. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't just be challenged by what we hear, but Lord, we would be changed. Lord, I pray that what we hear tonight would do us eternal good and that it would also be to the good of your kingdom as it impacts not just us, uh, but it impacts those around us. So Lord, I pray that uh, you would really speak to us and be with us this evening, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to sing. Uh, we're going to sing, You're the Word of God the Father. It's a song by Stuart Townend. And uh, I was reading what he says about this. Obviously, he wrote it, and I was reading a bit about what he says. And he was he was trying to write a song about the greatness of Christ, but also the humility of Christ and trying to sort of blend those things together and he was struggling with it quite a lot Uh, but he writes this he says it didn't quite hold together until I noticed the underlying theme of speaking Jesus is the word through whom all things were made and who sustains all things by the word of his power then we see the power of his words when he lived on earth his prayers his speaking to the storm Until we come to the unique moment in all of history when he is silent as he offers up his life on the cross. As a sheep is silent before the shearer, as the Old Testament puts it. This again contrasts with the shout of the resurrection and the continual intercession he performs on our behalf before the Father. And throughout the whole of history, this word is being spoken out across the lands. The metaphor of speaking is deeply and beautifully embedded in the scripture and is a wonderful indication of God's desire to be in a relationship with his creation. So that's what he writes as he was thinking about this song. So let's stand and sing. (laughs) 
we're going to read the passage that Nick's going to be speaking on later, John chapter 14, and it's the first 14 verses. And then after that, we're going to invite Nick up to share his update. So John chapter 14, and it's the first 14 verses. Let not your hearts be troubled, Jesus says. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whoever you ask in my name, this, sorry, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me for anything in my name, I will do it. So we're looking forward to Nick speaking from that later. And I'm now going to invite Nick up to share his update. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Mark. Uh, Great to be with you uh, once again. And um, uh, thank you, uh, John, for this opportunity just to share a little bit about uh, SGP things and and more about a passion for life. Uh, So if we could just, we've got the PowerPoint, great. Uh, it's not on that screen, but uh, okay, not to worry. Um, so uh, many of you will know about the Gospel Partnership. If you don't, it's a partnership of Bible-centered churches in East and West Sussex uh, seeking to work together for the advance of the Gospel uh, in our region. And uh, just to mention one thing to start with is a great way for us to be partners is to partner in prayer. And uh, I expect there'll be a number here who use our SGP prayer diary, comes out twice a year with prayer requests from all over the region, from different churches, and uh, a sort of a handy map in the middle to uh, see where those churches are. And um, uh, so there are some copies on the table just out there, if you'd like to pick up one of those, uh, to partner uh, with others in prayer for the gospel in our region, for the churches in our region. Um, one of the, many of you will know that uh, sort of one of the core ministries of the Gospel Partnership is in training Christians. We love to equip Christians to know their Bibles better 
and to be equipped to handle the Word of God, to, to teach it, to share its riches in all sorts of contexts, formal, informal, to many, to small groups, to individuals. Uh, and we have uh, people just like yourselves come along on the training courses, uh, people of all ages, men and women, either to uh, the Tuesday training course, the Sussex Ministry training course, and there's a flyer with a, a green bottom to it, uh, which um, uh, is out on the table as well. If you'd like to know more about the Tuesday course, that's daytime on a Tuesday uh, each week during term time. That's a one-year course with a second-year option. And uh, then we also have the Saturday morning Bible training course. That's the flyer with the, the blue band at the bottom. And uh, that's just once a month on a Saturday morning, and that's a two-year course. And uh, the, the midweek course at the moment runs at Cookfield Baptist Church near Haywards Heath, and the next uh, Saturday morning Bible training course will be uh, running down in Eastbourne at All Saints, uh, down in Eastbourne from, from September. So do uh, chat with me if you'd like to know more about that, if maybe that's something that you'd like to consider for, for this autumn onwards, uh, or pick up a flyer, or both. Um, Recognise that not everybody can, can sign up for, for a course that means attending every week or every month. Um, but on uh, Tuesday the 29th of March, if you've got daytime availability, uh, why not come and join us for our partnership training day just to get immersed in the book of Daniel. Uh, Charlie Ward, who has sort of my uh, role over with the South West Gospel Partnership, is coming to take us through the book of Daniel, both the familiar parts and the more tricky, complex, difficult parts uh, so uh, come to get to know that book better and again to be sort of equipped to share the riches of that book with other people. So uh, details of that uh, on our website. So those are the SGP things I wanted to mention. But um, there are gospel partnerships like the Sussex Partnership all over the country. There are about 15 gospel partnerships now. And A Passion for Life is a mission initiative of the gospel partnerships uh, seeking to help each other in the great work of evangelism, of making the good news of the Lord Jesus known in our communities. And uh, we're uh, encouraging one another in a lifetime of evangelism, but also promoting particular periods of mission when, when churches or groups of churches make a particular effort to, to put on events or to run courses or to do things uh, which will engage their communities uh, with the gospel of the Lord Jesus. So, just to give you a little bit of a, a sort of a, a flavour, uh, uh, an update on a passion for life. Um, churches, there are um, maps, not very clear, but that sort of uh, uh, that sort of shows clusters of churches. In, it indicates 750 churches across England, Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland, and the Republic of Ireland that have engaged with a passion for life. Uh, I think we've also got about 30 churches in Australia who have picked up on it as well. Uh, and uh, churches are at different stages with their engagement with their passion for life. So many have been uh, using the training resources, video-based training resources to help us in our evangelism. I think you may have used some uh, here. Um, and they found those really helpful in just equipping individuals in uh, churches to reach out with the gospel. Uh, but many churches as well are planning events as part of the life 22 mission, uh, either in the, the sort of run-up from now up till Easter this year or maybe later uh, this year. Um, so let me just give you some, some snippets. This is really encouraging. It's encouraged my heart. Just snippets of what different churches and groups of churches have been doing in different parts of the country. 
Uh, so sort of early out of the blocks was a cluster of three churches. Don't worry about the, not being able to read the detail, but, but uh, a cluster of three churches just south of Heathrow Airport who have already put on a week of events. Let me just read you a bit of a, of a report from Keith, one of the leaders at Ashford Congregational Church. Uh, that's not Ashford in Kent, okay? Um, uh, he said this, The good news of Jesus Christ was declared at every event. Non-Christians were present at every event, in some cases in greater numbers than the believers. It was a joy to see believers using a wide array of gifts the Lord has given for the building up of the church. And it was wonderful to join with our brothers and sisters at All Saints at Laleham and Staines Congregation. Uh, Congregationist Church, I presume. This, I sincerely believe, is a great witness to the wider community who are often baffled by the proliferation of denominations. Uh, some people have signed up for the Hope Explored course that will be running on Thursday mornings and evenings in March. Then uh, also on that slide, uh, Trinity Church in Aberdeen held an event with Gavin Peacock, the former footballer and TV pundit, uh, uh, which was attended by over 250 people. It got delayed a day by a storm, uh, but uh, went ahead and a great number still attended. And they have a Hope Explored course starting on the 17th of March. Uh, this past week, just gone by, in Morden, in South London, a couple of Anglican churches have been running a week of uh, Real Lives events with Roger Carswell interviewing uh, Christians about their experience of the Christian life. Um, and in the lead-up to that, a local uh, newspaper did a story about one of the speakers, which, uh, which helped publicise the event. Um, and uh, I happened to be speaking at the, the church weekend away, one of those churches, in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, but that's great, in, uh, in Morden. Um, speaking uh, of interest uh, from the secular media, uh, a local radio station got in touch with the Life 22 movement in Norfolk, so there's a cluster of churches in Norwich and other parts of Norfolk that have banded together to plan and put on a great array of events. And last weekend, one of the leaders was interviewed on local radio about the mission, giving opportunity to share the gospel and to promote the events and explain why they were doing what they were doing. Well, let's jump from Norfolk to Belfast. Uh, the team at St. Jude's are already very active in reaching out and are putting a lot of energy into a host of events that are kicking off on St. Patrick's Day uh, in mid-March. Uh, uh, and and we just sort of hear these reports of things different uh, churches and clusters of churches are doing, and I, I, sort of, I could go on, but um, uh, many other examples I could give, including a murder mystery event in Liverpool at St. Philemon's, uh, a Mark's Gospel drama uh, down uh, on the Isle of Wight at Grace Church there. Uh, a university week of events in Highfield Church in Cardiff starting at the end of March. Um, and uh, three churches in, in Haywards Heath, including my own church, uh, held a sports quiz with a short gospel talk uh, last night. Got another event coming up on the 1st of April where, with an interview with one of our church members who spent 35 years um, working in emergency healthcare in, in war zones and disaster areas. Uh, and he'll be uh, interviewed uh, about his experience of the Christian life. And then uh, some of you will know David Skoll is church planting in Brighton. David Skoll is going to uh, be there to give a, a talk about finding life uh, that, that lasts. 
So that, that just gives you maybe just a little bit of a flavour, an idea of what, what uh, churches up and down the land are doing as part of the Life uh, 22 mission in connection with a passion for life. Um, there is an opportunity, uh, as we think about uh, the mission in Sussex, there's an opportunity to, to join with others in prayer this coming Wednesday uh, evening. And uh, in some, uh, so there'll be sort of, um, the way this is going to work is to sort of network Christians together through the internet across the region. Uh, so there'll be a, a, a host church, which is where the, the prayer requests will sort of be presented from there. Uh, and people will be, be able to, to watch that on YouTube or on Zoom. So in some cases, church congregations will gather, they'll watch the YouTube presentation together, then they will pray together in their sort of in-person group. Or there's another way to join in, which is from the comfort of your own home. Join in by Zoom, uh, get the prayer requests and information, and, and then pray with others online in a breakout room. Uh, and the Lord will be absolute, in absolute control as to who you end up praying with in your breakout room from anywhere in Sussex or any part of the world, potentially. Uh, so if you're, if you're free at that time, 8 or 9 on Wednesday, then, then do be part of that. Uh, go to sussexgospelpartnership.org.uk forward slash prayer to get the, the, the details. And um, uh, there are also uh, there are a couple of, of uh, nationwide prayer meetings coming up uh, on, as it happens, Wednesday, uh, no, sorry, Tuesday lunchtime, uh, 8th of March. Um, there's a, a, a gathering to pray about the mission in the whole nation at 12 o'clock and then to pray especially for, for Wales at one o'clock, uh, we launched some resources in the Welsh language uh, uh, on St. David's Day. Um, so, op- opportunity to pray for Wales. Uh, so, to find out more about A Passion for Life and those prayer events, uh, visit apassionforlife.org.uk. A Passion for Life is, if you like, the sort of the Christian-facing uh, brand. And uh, there's another website uh, which is aimed at uh, unbelievers, at non-Christians, to help them find churches uh, where they will hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus. And so all the publicity will sort of reference findlifeatlasts.com. That's what we're inviting people to find, to find life that lasts in the Lord Jesus. So findlifeatlasts.com and, and people can go there and put in their postcode and, and, and find a church that's, that's registered uh, uh, through that uh, website. Um, so do be, do be prayerful about this mission initiative uh, in our land. How much, you know, well, we're so conscious of how our nation uh, needs the gospel. Uh, so do be prayerful for what's happening uh, and um, maybe join one of these online prayer gatherings uh, if you're able to. And uh, do chat to me afterwards and ask me uh, any questions you'd like to about that after the service. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Nick. It's exciting, isn't it? And uh, it's probably a good opportunity as well to remind you of the quiz on Friday that we've got. Uh, there's a few flyers out there. There's a good number of people already signed up. Um, but what a great opportunity to invite colleagues, friends, neighbours along to. Um, so do get involved if you're not already. And uh, just a reminder as well about the training courses. Um, I highly recommend them. I really do. Um, and the Saturday one as well, no, sorry, the, the, the special day on Daniel. Hugh Collier was here a little while ago, obviously, um, 
and uh, he said about the last few chapters in Daniel that he would kindly leave that to the uh, to the pastors here. <laughs> um, but if you're interested in the last few chapters of Daniel, try and get along to that day. I'm sure that would be a, a great help. Um, but do take those flyers as well. I really recommend uh, those training courses. Well, we're going to pray shortly, uh, but before we do that, we're going to sing again. Uh, it's a song that fits in well with this evening, um, but it's also a song that fits in well with a communion Sunday like uh, many of us have had. I will glory in my Redeemer, whose priceless blood has ransomed me. Mine was the sin that drove the bitter nails and hung him on that judgment tree. I will glory in my Redeemer, who crushed the power of sin and death my only saviour before the holy judge, the lamb who is my righteousness. Let's stand and sing. privilege of praying now, so let's pray. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. 
Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. Lord, we thank you that we come this evening before a God whose greatness is unsearchable. And Lord, you are not a small God, you are not a distant God, you are not a deaf God. And Lord, you are an almighty God who hears and listens and delights in your people praying. And Lord, we thank you for the privilege of being able to pray to you now. Lord, I pray that in our hearts we would understand something of how great and how good you are. And Lord, we thank you that many churches already are sharing the good news of you and of Jesus. And Lord, many churches have also got plans to do that in the next few weeks and months. Lord, it's exciting seeing so many dots on the map and thinking of the different churches and churches in Australia as well. Lord, having that passion to come together and and work for the gospel and to share the good news. Lord, as Nick said, Lord, we need the gospel so much. Lord, our nation needs the gospel. This world needs the gospel. And Lord, what a wonderful opportunity to share it. Lord, I thank you that you are not just the God of Forest Fold. Lord, you are the God of the universe and that you have your people scattered all around the world. And I thank you for that. Lord, I thank you that we are part of one big family. Lord, that we are children of God. And Lord, I pray that you would bless the efforts to to share the good news. Lord, I pray that there may be many people who look back on this year or events that happen around this time and say, that was when I first met God, or that was when God first started speaking to me. Lord, these are huge things. Lord, these are matters of eternal life. And they are so important. And Lord, we we pray uh, for you to work. Lord, we thank you. Uh, that you do promise that, Lord, when your word goes out, Lord, it will be effective, Lord, it will grow. Like the parable of the sower, Lord, we know that uh, much of it won't grow, at least not fully. And yet, Lord, we know that some will, and that it will multiply, and multiply, and Lord, that is exciting. And Lord, I pray that you give us confidence, Lord, as we share your word, Lord, that we would have confidence in the power of your word. Your word is alive, it is living, Lord, I pray that we'd believe that. I pray that we'd have a real passion to tell people, Lord, that the love that you've shown us will overflow from us to others. Lord, give us a passion for you, I pray. And Lord, I pray for the training courses as well that the SGP do and that Nick is so involved with. Lord, I thank you for them, for the blessing it's been to a good number of us here. And I pray that you continue to use that that people would grow in their understanding of the Bible and be better at then teaching others it. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, I want to bring uh, Jackie and Amber May and the family before you and all those involved. Lord, it is such a sad and difficult time for them. Lord, I pray that you'd be with them. Lord, I thank you so much for Jackie. I thank you for her love, for her devotion, for her humility, for her honesty. Lord, she's such a delight to have in our home group. Lord, we just pray that you would strengthen her. Lord, you've upheld her 
for such a long time. But Lord, do continue to uphold her and all the family and those involved especially, those who are close especially. Lord, do bless them, I pray. Lord, we thank you that you care about individuals, but Lord, you also care about the big situations. Lord, of course, our minds go to um, Ukraine and all the things going on in the world stage. Lord, I pray that the world leaders would have wisdom. Lord, especially in a situation where there are no easy answers. Lord, I pray that they'd have the desire to do the right thing. Lord, you've warned us that these things will happen. Lord, you've said in your word that there will be wars and rumours of wars and that nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Lord, we've been warned about these things, but it grieves us. And Lord, if it doesn't grieve us, Lord, I pray that it would. Lord, I pray that you give us a heart of compassion for others, a heart of love, a heart of service and sacrifice for others. Lord, I pray that we would be praying for them and all those involved. And Lord, we know as well that, Lord, there are many other injustices, many other people suffering in the world, and and it doesn't reach our TV screens. But Lord, there is so much violence, so much injustice, so much suffering. Lord, I pray that wherever people are suffering, Lord, that Lord, I pray that you would show yourself to them, that they would cry out to you. Lord, I thank you that you are worldwide. And Lord, I pray that you would use your people in in those situations. Lord, I thank you that you have people all over the world. And Lord, I pray that you would give your people special strength in those situations. Lord, that they would be an incredible witness at this time. Lord, for, for your kingdom. And Lord, around the world, people are saying things like, I'm not religious, but I'm praying. Lord, I pray that they would turn to you. Lord, I pray that they would have someone to pray to. Lord, I pray that as Christians here in England, Lord, I pray that as people talk about it, Lord, that we would have good opportunities to talk about the unshakable hope that we have. Lord, give us the confidence and the hope ourselves to to tell people of you and who you are and what you are like. Lord, I pray that people would realise that there is an even bigger problem that they've got and that it is that they are enemies of you if if they have not been reconciled to you. But Lord, we thank you that you are the Prince of Peace Lord, you are uh, the God who will enforce peace one day. Lord, that all nations and kingdoms and peoples will bow down to you. And Lord, you will have your kingdom of peace and we thank you for that. But Lord, we thank you as well that you bring peace through your death on the cross. So that Lord, those who are enemies of you can be reconciled. And I thank you that a good number of us here have been reconciled to you and we are now your children. And I pray, Lord, that for all those who are not your children, Lord, may they know you as the Prince of Peace. May they know that Jesus' blood was shed for them. Lord, I pray that you'd help Nick as he speaks this evening as we hear about Jesus. Lord, I pray that help us to listen. 
Lord, I pray that each one of us here tonight may know you as the way to the Father. And Lord, I pray for Peter Turner's assembly as well this week. Lord, as he goes in and as he hands out many New Testaments. Lord, again, Lord, we know that some of them are likely to maybe be thrown away. And Lord, it makes us sad seeing how they're treated sometimes. But Lord, your word is alive and it is powerful. And Lord, I pray that people would read it. I pray that people would take it home. I pray that people would open it up. Lord, I thank you that those Bibles, they have um, helpful uh, articles in or, or, or bit, uh, it tells you where to go if you're um, facing certain emotions, for example. Lord, I pray that that would be of great help to people reading it. Lord, do help Peter as he gives that assembly and I pray that you would uh, bless your word in that, that school. And Lord, I do just pray again that you would be with Nick as he speaks now. Lord, I thank you for helping him already. And I pray that you continue to be with him and help him as he shares your word. Lord, I pray that we would be amazed by Jesus. And that it would impact us as we listen to your word. So be with us in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Well, we're going to sing our third song this evening before Nick comes and speaks to us. And... um, He's chosen this one, Nick's chosen this one, because it particularly links in with uh, the first part of John chapter 14. There is a hope that burns within my heart that gives me strength for every passing day. Let's stand and sing.
Well, please do pick up a Bible, if you have one to hand, and turn uh, back to John chapter 14, uh, to the passage that Mark uh, read for us. John chapter 14. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. We recognize that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so we pray that you would enable us to receive your word this evening, open our minds to understand your word, open our hearts to receive the truth of your word, and direct us to believe the word that we hear and to walk in the light of this word. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Who is Jesus? Who is he really? Why do Christians keep on talking about Jesus? Why do Christians love Jesus? Why do Christians trust and follow Jesus? Why do Christians seek to make Jesus the centre of their lives? Why do they long for opportunities to talk to their friends and to their family members and, and even to complete strangers about Jesus? Well, there's perhaps no better way to answer that question than to look at the seven wonderful I am sayings of Jesus found in John's Gospel. But don't worry, this evening we're not going to look at all seven. We're just going to consider one of these great sayings. Arguably the greatest of these self-declarations. When Jesus declares, I am the way and the truth and the life. This is the most sensational, but also, let me suggest, the most controversial of these sayings, the most challenging of these I am sayings. The declaration itself comes in verse 6, but uh, to get the context, let's work our way towards it from verse 1. And we'll see that our passage begins with comforting words for troubled disciples. So Jesus is eating a final meal with his followers before his arrest, trial, death by crucifixion that will soon follow. And his disciples are deeply troubled. This is no relaxed evening out. The atmosphere is heavy with the distressing and confusing impact of the words that Jesus is speaking. He has talked already of of one of them, one of their number, one of the twelve, betraying him. Then he's spoken of leaving them and said that they cannot go where he is going. So where is he going? Why is he going? Why can't they go with him? He says that they will follow later and Peter, passionate, devoted Peter, has protested, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Will you really, says Jesus? No, you won't, Peter. Three times you are going to disown me. What words to create a sense of foreboding? What terrible events could possibly cause Peter to disown Jesus? So no wonder they were deeply troubled. 
And so Jesus speaks into their distress. He speaks words of comfort to his troubled disciples. He is heading to the greatest suffering that any human being has ever or ever will experience. And he knows it. But but far from being wrapped up in his own distress, he takes great care to speak words of comfort to his troubled disciples. Such is his great love for his own. Uh, And he begins at the start of chapter 14 with a remarkable call to faith. He says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, or we could translate it, trust in God. Believe, or, or trust also, in me. And what makes this so remarkable is not that he tells them to calm their fears by trusting God. Well, that is common enough in the Bible. What is remarkable is that he calls them in the very same breath to put their trust in him. Trust in God, trust also in me. The implication is inescapable. He he is making himself equal with God, putting himself on a par with God. Exercise the same trust towards Jesus as you all do towards God. But he doesn't call them to an ignorant faith. He doesn't call them to a blind trust. He, He gives them reasons to trust with three wonderful disclosures about the ultimate future. Note this. He doesn't try to calm their fears simply by saying, don't worry, it's going to be okay. Playing down the pains and sorrows that lay ahead. In fact, he doesn't speak about the immediate period at all. Instead, he directs their minds beyond anything that they will experience in this world and he speaks in verses 2 and 3 about what lies in in the ultimate future, about the heaven to come, the eternal age beyond this world. That's the word that troubled disciples need to hear. And he reveals three great realities about heaven. First, according to verse 2, and and don't, don't miss the beauty of this. Heaven is his father's house. Heaven is his father's house. Heaven... I mean, for many of us, I think heaven is a sort of a vague, completely unimaginable domain. But, but for, for Jesus, there's nothing vague or unimaginable about heaven because it is his home. It's his father's house. It's the home from which he has come and to which he is returning. The, the place where he has enjoyed eternal, intimate relationship with the father. Heaven is his father's house. And second that heaven has room for all who will believe in Jesus. The real point of verse 2 lies in the word many. In his Father's house are many rooms. That is, room for all his disciples. Not just for this small group. No, heaven is designed to accommodate all who will believe in him through their testimony you know, ultimately, fast forward to the end of the Bible, to, to the book of Revelation, uh, and Revelation shows us a great, uncountable multitude redeemed from every tribe and language and nation. There's room for all who will believe in Jesus. And then third, here is the very heart of the Christian message. Heaven is opened to us by his going. 
Now in verse 3, at the first sight, you, you sort of read verse 3 and, and Jesus says, I go and prepare a place for you. Uh, uh, and you think he's sort of, he's got to go on ahead to get the place ready. My wife's parents, after living many years in, in Haywards Heath, not far from us, uh, have moved in September down to Cornwall. But they were buying a, a bungalow that needed a lot of work doing to it, so they've been living in rented accommodation for six months. Uh, and, and there's been six months of the builders preparing the bungalow for them to move into. Uh, and then this past week, there's been the, the final scramble preparations. The, this was the week for moving in. My wife went down this week to, to, to help them with the move. And, and this has been the frantic, you know, the plumber finishing the plumbing and the, the decorator finishing the decorating and then the place being cleaned up. Then the furniture being moved in and the, and the boxes and the things that need unpacking and all the preparations that are needed to, to make it a home that you can actually live in. Well, well, is that what Jesus has to do? Go on ahead, get into heaven to finish the building work because you know what builders are like, even in heaven. You know, sorry about the builders. You know, to finish the decorating, to, to, to furnish the place, to make the beds. No, any such idea is, is clearly ridiculous. No, it, it is his act of going that is essential if there is to be a place for us in the Father's house. You see, in John's Gospel, his act of going is a big deal. Because his going is via the cross. His going entails his sin-bearing death on the cross, followed by his triumphant resurrection, and then his ascension to the Father. It is by going to the cross to pay for our sins that he prepares a place. You see, it makes sense, doesn't it, that we cannot enter the Father's house, that holy domain, carrying the guilt and the defilement of our sins. Our many offences against God that justly provoke his righteous anger. We, we cannot barge our way into the Father's house as enemies of God. You don't let enemies into your house, do you? We can only enter the Father's house as friends, reconciled to the Father through the work of Jesus on the cross. So that's the third and the greatest disclosure. Our place in heaven is prepared by his going to the cross. Heaven is open to us by his going. Two great reassurances naturally follow. First, he promises to take us there to be with him. See verse 3, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself that you, that where I am you may be also. If he's willing to go to the cross for us, then we can certainly trust him to come back and take us home. He would hardly endure the agony of the cross to open heaven for us and then fail to take us there. Uh, and then the second great assurance, he says this in verse 4, and you know the way to where I am going. We'll see in a moment that Jesus is saying that they know the way to the Father's house because they know him. But what a reassurance that is. Those who know him know the way. Comforting words for troubled disciples. Three wonderful disclosures about the ultimate future and two 
reassurances that naturally follow. That then is the context for controversial words in answer to a troubling question. See, amongst this group of twelve, there's Thomas. Straightforward, down-to-earth Thomas, and straightforward, down-to-earth Thomas doesn't get it. He would be great to have in your Bible study group. He is the sort of guy who will be quite happy to say to the leader, we don't know what you are talking about. Everyone's sitting there thinking the same thing, but Thomas will say it. We haven't got a clue what you're talking about. Uh, All this talk of the father's house has left him confused. So Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, so how can we know the way? It's true, isn't it? If you don't know the destination, how can you possibly know the way to the destination? We don't even know what the destination is. But beyond Thomas's immediate concern, it, it is a troubling question, isn't it? How can we know the way? Especially if we don't even know the destination. How can we know the way? For some here, it it may be the question that haunts you. The the deep, troubling question that that maybe keeps you awake at night or, or, or gnaws away at your soul, coming into your mind when you're not distracted by other things. And those reflective moments well, what is life all about? What is the destination? Where should I be trying to get to? Have I arrived there already? Or or is there more to it? Is this all there is? Or is there somewhere else I should be heading to? Uh, And if I can't even answer the questions about the destination, then how can I possibly know the way? You can't know the way when you don't even know where you're going. So it is a great question, isn't it? A vital question, but also a troubling question. How can we know the way? So how thankful we should be for Thomas asking the question on our behalf. Since it draws out of Jesus this great I am saying. Uh, And we have a sensational affirmation followed by a clarifying negation. And it is a most sensational affirmation. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So first he says, I am the way. Not simply let me explain the way, let me point the way, or even let me show you the way. So when my wife went down to Cornwall this week to help her parents, travelling down by train on Wednesday... She, she managed to get as far as Plymouth okay, and then she had one short train ride to make from Plymouth to the village where they're going to be living. Uh, and she's in good time, and she's in the waiting room, and she gets talking to somebody and misses the train. She is in a panic. She doesn't know how frequently do the trains actually run to the village where she needs to get to. So she's in a panic. She rushes off. She, she finds uh, a, a member of staff, and, and this lady very kindly says, it's okay, there's a tr- another train before too long. Let me show you where to catch it. And she, as she gets up and shows my wife to the place where she needs to stand to catch the train. Let me show you the way. But Jesus doesn't say, let me show you the way. 
He says, I am the way. I am the way. The way to where? Well, it's the way to the Father. Not simply to the Father's house in the far-off future, but the way to the Father in the present, as the end of verse 6 makes clear. Jesus speaks of coming, present tense, to the Father. In fact, of course, we can't expect to go to the Father's house then if we don't come to the Father now. Again, this makes sense, doesn't it? We can't expect to to live our whole lives estranged from the Father, distant from the Father, ignoring the Father, maybe even hostile to the Father, and then suddenly be welcomed into his house at the end. So the destination that matters most now is not so much a place as it is a person or a relationship. The way that we need is a way to the Father. That's what we all need. A way to knowing the God who created us as our Father. And we are all lost until we find that way. And Jesus says, I am the way. And friends, what what good news that is. First, because it means that the way is knowable. It's not impossible to find. No, it's a knowable way because Jesus has come. He's come to us to be the way. Uh, And then secondly, it's good news because the, the way is a person for us to trust, not a philosophy for us to get our heads around. We can't all get our heads around big ideas. But we can all trust a person. We're always trusting people. We can't get through life without trusting people. We know how to trust people. And and so we can all do this. We can all trust Jesus. And the way is, he is the way, and we trust him to be the way. Uh, So a, a child can trust Jesus and know the way. Then thirdly, it's good news because the the way is a provision that is given to us and made for us. It's not a performance that is demanded of us. You know, the way to get to university is to get certain grades. You have to perform. The way to get a great job is to have a good CV, but you have to perform to get the good CV. Those sort of ways are performances demanded of us. And that's what religion is. Religion is a performance demanded of us. But the way to the Father is not any form of religion. It's not a way for us to walk. It's not a list of rules for us to follow. It's not a set of meditation techniques for us to master. We are relieved of all such crushing burdens because the way is a person that we can know and love and trust. And you can all do that. You can't keep the rules. You can't walk the walk. You can't master the techniques, but you can all know and love and trust a person. And when we know and trust Jesus, he becomes our way to the Father. But it is quite a claim, isn't it? To claim to be the way to God. So what qualifies Jesus to make this claim? What qualifies him to be the way? Well, let me put it this way. It's a matter 
both of who he is and what he has done. We've already thought about what he has done to be the way, going to the cross, taking away our sins so that nothing should stand in the way between us and God, removing the the guilt of our sin, taking it out of the way, turning away the Father's wrath that was against us, turning that, clearing the way through his death on the cross, becoming the way through his death. But it's not only what he's done for us, it's who he is. He is the way to the Father because in his very being, he is one with the Father. He's in the closest possible relationship with the Father. So so that's what we saw in the rest of the reading. So we've had Thomas, now we have Philip. And in answer to Philip's request, Lord, show us the Father... Jesus says to Philip, well, don't you get it? I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus is the fullest possible revelation of God. But you you might say, but but," it's all very well for those disciples. They could see Jesus, so I could sort of get how they might see Jesus and so see the Father, because they're one. But... But we can't see Jesus, he's not visibly present, so so how can we see the Father? Well, look what he says in verse 10. He says, "Do Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Do you see the emphasis on his words? And when Jesus speaks, it is the Father in him working. When Jesus speaks, it's the Father in him working to make himself known through the Son. Speaking to us, revealing himself to us through the Son as the Son speaks. So we don't need to know what Jesus looked like physically. What we need is his words. And his words paint the clearest fullest, most understandable portrait of the Father. So, as it were, we we see the Father by listening to the Son. Do you want to see God? You have to listen to Jesus. And so he is fully qualified to be the way. And there are these two essential aspects. First, he makes God known to us by his work of revelation. And then second, he clears the way for us to know God by his work of redemption. Dying for us on the cross. He makes God known and he makes God knowable. And so he's fully qualified to be the way. Uh, And then he expands further on these two aspects of being the way in the rest of this stupendous declaration. We'll look at this much more briefly, but he goes on to say, I am the truth. He does not merely speak the truth, he embodies the truth, he is the truth. All of the truth of God resides in Jesus, and all of the truth of God is communicated to us through him. And so as the way to the Father, he he shares with us the knowledge of God. 
We're not left in ignorance, blindly trusting a God we do not know. No, we, we, we come to know the truth concerning God by, by knowing Jesus and listening to his word. As the Apostle Paul wrote to that church in that tiny little far-off place, Colossae, all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in Christ. So if you want to know the truth, you need to know Jesus. I am the truth, I am the life. So as the way to the Father, he shares with us not only the knowledge of God, but also the life of God. If you know John's Gospel at all, you'll probably know that John's Gospel is full of the promise of eternal life. But how does Jesus give us life? Not merely by pointing the way to life, telling us where to find life, but by giving himself. For he is the life. He both gives himself for us and he gives himself to us. So first he gives himself for us on the cross, taking our place under the wrath of God, bearing our sins so that the penalty for sin is lifted from us, the penalty of death. And then he gives himself to us sharing his resurrection life with us by, by giving us his spirit so that the life that is in him should flow in us. And Jesus says it will flow like, like rivers of living water as he gives himself to us. That his life should be in us. So as the truth, he is able to deal with the darkness of our minds and give us understanding. Uh, and as the life, he's able to take away the deadness of our souls and give us life. And as the way, we can come to the Father through him. And as we do so, we receive both truth and life. It's the whole package. It is, isn't it, a most... Stupendous affirmation in answer to a troubling question. Something to pause and marvel at. Only, only, only Jesus won't let us pause and marvel. Because he immediately adds a clarifying negation. And we can't leave this bit out. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. And as is often the case, it's the negation that brings great clarity. It clarifies that Jesus is not just a way. No, he is the way and there's no other way. No one comes to the Father except through him. Because he's the only way. And there are no special cases, there are no exemptions. No one comes to the Father except through me. You come to the Father through Jesus or you do not come at all. But it's, do you remember that I said this was a controversial answer to a troubling question? Well, it's this negation that makes it so controversial. Just, just imagine your pastor, John, 
at some civic event attended by community leaders from many different faith groups. Not sure whether John would ever go to such a thing, but just, just you know, for the sake of the thought experiment, imagine John at this community event, uh, you know, this civic event with, with community leaders of different faith groups. And he's asked to say a few words about his faith. And so he begins to read these words of Jesus. And, and, and there are murmurs of admiration, perhaps, as he reads, I am the way, the truth, and the life. What stirring words from the lips of Jesus. But then he goes on. No one comes to the Father except through me. An awkward silence follows. I think there'd be an awkward silence, don't you? Because what's just been said is a challenge to all of the world's religions that these faith leaders represent. It's a challenge to, to all the world religions, to their teachings, to their techniques, to their rules, to their stories, to the words of their gurus and prophets, and it's saying that none of them will bring anyone to God. Because Jesus says, no one comes to the Father by them. That in fact, by pointing people away from Jesus, who is the way, Far from bringing people to God, they must inevitably lead people away from God. Away from the truth. Away from life. Have you heard people talking about there being many ways to God? Well, the reality is there are many ways away from God. And only one way to God. But let's just bring this home to ourselves. This... This negative is the challenge that we face as we think about evangelism. We can be fearful, can't we, uh, of talking about Jesus as the only way to the Father. I know I'm fearful of talking about Jesus as the only way to the Father. Of, Of urging people to come to Jesus because there's no other way. Because our, you know, our friends might be quite interested as we talk about Jesus being a, a way, about truth and life being found in Jesus. That's very interesting you think that. But it's when we make it clear that we think there's no other way, well, that's when the conversation can get heated. Or the awkward silence can follow. Or at least we anticipate it might get heated or might get awkward. And and we fear the pushback. So we need to overcome our fear of the controversy. In our multi-faith, pluralistic society, with the people of many faiths and no faith, we need to overcome our fear of the controversy around saying that Jesus is the only way. We need to overcome that fear, first of all, by trusting in God and trusting in Jesus. But we also need to feel for ourselves the forceful weight of this negative. See, see, I find that, that, that this negative challenges both my reluctance to tell people the good news of the Lord Jesus 
and it challenges my complacency about the urgent and vital need that they have to hear the good news. Because this negative means there is no room for complacency. It means that that my neighbours who do not know Jesus really do not know the way. And they cannot come to the Father if they do not know the way. And they really are lost, and they really are ignorant of the truth, and they really are perishing. They don't know the way, they don't know the truth, they don't have life. And they will die in their sins if they do not come to the Father through Jesus. And they will spend eternity banished from the Father's house under the wrath of the Father if they do not get reconciled to him through Jesus. And the same goes for every person we meet who does not know Jesus. They do not know the way, they cannot know the way if they do not know him. And I might be the only Christian that they know who can tell them about him. The only Christian that God has placed in their lives who can tell them about him. Uh, And it's right for me to feel the weight of that and not be complacent. And and asking the Father to help me and, and, and relying on the Spirit... I need to overcome my reluctance and tell them about Jesus the Son. I know the way and they don't. When my wife told me about what happened at Plymouth Station, I was very grateful for that woman who showed her the way. Well, such a trivial thing just to find a train. This is so, so much greater, isn't it? To tell people the way to the Father. Telling them where to find truth and life. The good news of the Lord Jesus is the good news of there being a way to God. It's the good news that God has provided that way and that way is his own dear son, Jesus. And he's the way to life that lasts. And through things like a passion for life, we simply want to help each other and to encourage each other and work together to declare this good news to those that God has put alongside us and and us alongside them. He is the way, the truth, and the life. That's why we're passionate about Jesus, aren't you? And no one comes to the Father except through him. That's why we should be equally passionate about telling people about him. Let's pray. Perhaps just take a a moment in in the quietness just to reflect on what you've heard. Maybe there's one thing that that the Lord is pressing home to your heart and just respond in prayer in the quietness of your own heart to what God has been saying to you. And then I'll lead us in prayer. Father, we confess that we were lost, we were ignorant, we were dead in our sins. And in your great and rich mercy and grace, you gave your Son to come 
and to be the way. To die on the cross to open heaven for us that we might come to the Father through the Son. Thank you that he's the fullest possible revelation of God that to see him is to see the Father. Thank you that he is our way to you. That he is the truth and knowing him we enter into that truth that he is the life and he gives life to us as he gives himself. Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus. Reignite our passion for him and reignite our passion to tell people about him and help us to trust in you and let our hearts not be troubled. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's uh, finish our service by singing the great hymn together to God. Be the glory a hymn that encourages us to come to the Father through Jesus the Son and to give God the glory for great things he has done.
standing for a final prayer. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Father, help us to believe the word that we have heard this evening and put our trust in Jesus. And whatever trouble we are going through, some of us at this time, or the troubles that may face us in the coming week, we pray that our hearts would not be troubled as we trust in God and trust in Jesus, knowing that we have a way to the Father through Jesus the Son. And we look forward in the end to being welcomed into the Father's house. So thank you for the security that that gives us and we pray that we would walk forward into this coming week with that faith in God and that faith in Jesus and with a readiness to take every opportunity to tell others about him and we pray that you would open those doors of opportunity for each one of us and we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.